This is The Big Game. I'm Justin Hargett. This week on the show, we're going to talk about the first two rounds of college basketball's March Madness. While there are no outright Cinderella's left in the Sweet 16, unless you're counting the 11th-seeded, 11-time national champion UCLA, of course, the first round of this year's dance had some great, amazing bracket-busting upsets. Here to talk about Georgia State, UAB, Dayton, and most, if not all, of the other 61 teams is Alex Christopher. In addition to managing our bracket pool this year, Alex is also a member of the Always Cheating Fantasy Soccer League, the brilliant publicist behind books such as Fear and Loathing in La Liga and The Game of Our Lives, as well as My Lovely Girlfriend. You can follow her on Twitter at AlexTheLady. On this episode, we get into the finer points of picking, and more often than not, not picking first-round upsets. Whether it's a location or a conference bias, ACC is mine, uh, a bad logo or a funny name, we tell you the sad truth about why we both picked SF Austin on Thursday. We'll also project results into the Sweet 16 and debate whether or not Kentucky has what it takes to go all the way. They do. This is a special episode of The Big Game, recorded live here in our Los Angeles apartment, so I hope you enjoy the bickering basketball conversation between two people who share an apartment and set it all aside for the chance at $60. Hey Alex, thanks for coming on The Big Game. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this is a pretty fun one. This is a special episode. This is our first live in-studio show. Not not via Skype. Uh, and we're talking about not one, not two, but a whole weekend, potentially 48 different big games with, of course, March Madness, the NCAA men's basketball tournament. So we, we definitely watched quite a bit of basketball on Thursday and Friday <laughs> and maybe not so much on Saturday and Sunday mm-hmm. after we got a little worn out and our brackets got busted. But... What was the most exciting game to watch this past weekend? Well, I have to say, I think that one of the ones that really resonated with me was the Georgia State game, um, mainly because of the ending. I mean, you have a great ending, and, and the game will always be remembered. Somebody falling off a chair. Someone falling off a chair, a beautiful father-son moment. <laughs> I just, it really, really hit home for me. I feel like I feel like the coach, Ron Harper... I don't think he planned it, but like he tore his Achilles in the in his last celebration, and then in this celebration he falls off, and I think he like he broke the cast that was holding his Achilles together, and it it seemed too good to be true, but I think it was true. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that just shows his enthusiasm. <laughs> well, I guess when your son scores the game-winning shot in the first round of the NCAA tournament, I guess you're allowed to fall off your chair. Maybe we should get him a sturdier chair. I think that maybe like the spinning stool without a back, without armrests is just, it's un- <laughs> it's really unsafe for him. Yeah. So, so yeah, so the, the first round we had two like really great Cinderella games. I remember Thursday when the day started, I was a little pissed because... It was 9.30, and I was excited here on the West Coast to start watching the games like earlier than I've ever watched them before. And the matchups were a 3 versus a 14 seed, a 2 versus a 15 seed, another 3 versus a 14 seed. And I was like, these are all going to be like one-sided early games. Like the, None of the really interesting ones are going to happen until later. And, you know, 
maybe like three hours into the day, we've already had like two major upsets. Yeah, I think that that's actually, I think the early rounds are some of my favorites, which is maybe why, you know, you and I were talking about actually doing this podcast for this one, because I I think it's a blast. I mean, you also have an 8 and a 9 seed, and you have a 7 to 10, and you have a lot of these close games, but then you also get, you know, about 20 minutes into a game, sometimes you can already tell who's going to be playing really, really, really well, and who is is you know maybe a closer match than you would have expected mm. and um and so it's always really fun to see those you know quote cinderella teams and and i think that's just you know human nature to root for the underdog yeah it definitely is and you know the cinderellas i think the really good cinderellas in this team as we mentioned was the georgia state which mm-hmm. we were already excited about that game because you and i had been talking about kevin ware who broke his leg um for Louisville in the title yeah. game a couple years ago, and he had transferred to Georgia State um, either last season or this season. And we were just kind of excited to see that guy kind of have mm-hmm. his return hero story. Um, but to get back to that game, it, it, he wasn't the hero. It was actually the coach's son, which we talked about. But unfortunately, their Cinderella story doesn't carry on to the next round. They they lost to Xavier like almost right away. And I and I'm not sure if the game was really that close. I think they lost by maybe like ten or twelve points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, we had that on one side of the bracket, and then we had Iowa State losing very, very early on on the first day, <laughs> also against a fourteen seed, which totally, totally broke my bracket. I had them going to the championship game. <laughs> Where did you have them going? Uh, I had them going to the Elite Eight, and then I had Duke actually going forward. Um, so so Iowa State didn't destroy me quite so much, but I do know that you're also beating me <laughs> in, in our bracket at this point. So maybe I'd been a little bit more optimistic on some of the other teams than I should have been. <laughs> yeah, I you know I I think a little bit of knowledge... Uh, is a very dangerous thing for the March Madness bracket. <laughs> and after doing two of these episodes uh, about college basketball already this season, I felt like every time I turned the TV on, the ESPN crew was at Iowa State, like <laughs> at the stadium with all the fans in the background. And I was like, they must be the real deal. I think I'm going to take them to the title game in this. So, yeah, so I was really excited about Iowa State, and I was really disappointed when... UAB knocked them off, and I want to go through my reasoning for why. I think in the past I've picked UAB, but I want to I want to kind of put on the record why I chose not to pick them this time and why I regret it. But they have a dragon in their logo, <laughs> and it looks exactly like the dragon that used to be in this stupid web comic called Homestar Runner. And I just <laughs> I was just, I can't take this team seriously. They have. They have a goofy logo, and ESPN is always showing Iowa State, and this is a cinch. This is this is gonna like win me our sixty dollar pool. I um I think that that just speaks to kind of a lot of the arbitrary decisions that that people actually make when they're picking their brackets. I mean, you know, we have loyalties, we have location loyalties, and we have all these kind of um, other factors playing as well as the seeds and that like tiny bit of information you get when you click the magnifying glass Mm -hmm. Um, which i don't trust that at all that's basically what i base my (laughs) i think espn screwed me so hard and all of the like all of the upsets that i picked were based on on that little magnifying glass or the little (laughs) bit of knowledge i had from from earlier games in the season and 
none none of my picks panned out. So I want to I want to talk about those. I want to talk about those uh, really quickly. Our our big upset picks that we that we mm-hmm. thought we were going to call. Mm-hmm. So so for me, I think uh, what I thought was going to be like my guaranteed Cinderella that was going to go a couple of rounds uh, was going to be Davidson College. Um, I thought they were going to come out. I thought they were going to beat Iowa, and then I thought they were going to upset Gonzaga. And I thought that was going to be like a real dark horse Cinderella candidate. But I also had some really wild upset picks that didn't come true, uh, including SF Austin over Utah, a 12 over a 5. And then in that same section of the region, also picking Eastern Washington, a 13 seed over 4 seed Georgetown, uh, in what would have been an incredible 12 versus a 13 in the round of 32. So I, I don't know what my logic was there, but I think it was definitely a little bit of information from that magnifying glass <laughs> going horribly wrong. Um, one, of, one of your upset picks that I liked, because I don't think I picked any, uh, three, uh, any 14 seed over a 3 seed, um, but you actually, you, you did take Albany over Oklahoma and, I did. and, and I like that. I like that you risked it. I like, cause you know, you were close. You, like as the tournament went on two 14 seeds, won. it just happened to be <laughs> the other one, Yeah, the other, the other two, two of the other four. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I did that. Actually, looking at my bracket now, I'm I'm realizing I did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and it seems logical that Oklahoma would win. And and my uncle played for Oklahoma in the NCAA uh, a million years ago. Well, this is even worse. It's getting even worse now. I know. I don't know why I, I picked Albany. Well, and then, so then I, I had... I did have Dayton playing Albany in an 11-14, which is almost as bad as a 12-13. Well, and I think you do deserve a lot of credit there for picking Dayton over Providence. Um, There's actually a really great article I read on Grantland today, which I swear to God this is going to be the last time I I name-check a Grantland article on the Big Game podcast that seems to happen every week. (laughs) But they had a really great article today called Anatomy of an Upset, in which they went behind the scenes of Providence for all, like all four days leading up to it, and how they were trying to prepare for whether or not they were going to play Dayton or whether or not they were going to play Boise State, and essentially how like they didn't know anything about either two of those teams. So like until basically a day or two before they had to play them. Kudos for correctly calling Dayton. Of all of the A10 teams in the tournament, mm-hmm. I picked VCU to win and Davidson. But in fact, I was wrong about both of those, and and you got it correct with the uh, I the, picked the Dayton both of call. those too. Yeah, you, my bias must be rubbing off on you. <laughs> or we just have this this trait in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, P- picking I picking bad brackets. I I almost always pick Dayton um, in my bracket. They're one of my kind of bizarre teams that I often pick for an upset. And they've actually, they've done it a couple times, I think over the years. I mean, I guess I've been doing a family bracket for a really long time now, but, um, but I've always, I've, I've always liked picking them and rooting for them. Um, and I, I had them going really far. I think if I didn't have them playing Albany, um, they would have been playing Oklahoma, and I would have smartly chosen Oklahoma to beat Dayton. However, I I chose Albany, so obviously Dayton would have beaten Albany in my like bracket of my fantasies. 
Your um, fantasy bracket. Yeah. Your fantasy fantasy in bracket. My fantasy fantasy bracket. Um, Dayton would have gone to the final four. <laughs> Dayton, Ohio. I take it you've never been to Dayton, Ohio. No, I've only been to your hometown, <laughs> Steubenville, Ohio. And um, we recently drove through Ohio and I only saw about a quarter mile to half mile visibility according to the fog radar. On dense the fog map. alert. Yeah, very dense fog the entire time, entire Ohio. Well, based on my experience in Ohio and in Dayton, I wouldn't have picked them and I didn't pick them, but obviously I was wrong and you were right. Well, my impression of Ohio is now the state in the clouds, so. <laughs> Cloud city. <laughs> so, so yeah, so let's talk about, let's talk about our biases on picks because, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, the tournament is so random that anyone that ever has a chance of actually picking a perfect bracket, it will come down to uh, some combination of knowledge about the game and the teams and also a little bit of that built-in bias. Like, either maybe, you know, somebody that went to Wichita State and, you know, it favors them to go really far and so they get a lot of points combined with the fact that they also know quite a bit about college basketball. So there's these built-in biases. And, And then, you know, maybe that person... Uh, also has a cousin that went to Utah, and so they kind of correctly pick Utah so far. Those teams for me, I always pick ACC teams to go really far um, because I grew up partially in North Carolina. My brother went to NC State. Um, I wrote a letter to Dean Smith when I was in fifth grade, so I always pick UNC to go very far. And some years that helps me a lot. It's, you know, if I hadn't made such blunders with Iowa State and some other ones this year, maybe it would have helped me too because they're doing so well. Um, but those are some of the teams that I always like to pick every year, um, whether or not they realistically have a chance. And it was it was nice this year that NC State made it past Villanova, number one seed. But what are some of the other teams that you automatically take in the first round? And also, I figured you'd pick a lot of California teams, UCLA, UCI, but you didn't. And some of them had a UCLA, I mean, has won two games already, so... Yeah, I'm kind of regretting not picking UCLA. I think that I went back and forth a lot on that one. Um, I do always pick San Diego State to go at least one round. Um, and I'm from San Diego, so that that's a big one. I think that with the California bias, I just moved back here after a few years away, and I'm still feeling kind of a shaky relationship with the state. <laughs> Um, so I didn't feel quite the same amount of loyalty as I did to the $60 at stake. <laughs> um, that would be, that's really my main explanation. I chose NC State um, partly because your brother went there. And so I have kind of my own little new loyalty to them. Um, and I've seen the school. So a lot of the ones that I've seen the school, I'll pick those. Um, and, you know, I, I, I went into it wanting to win. Um, which clearly was not the right mindset. <laughs> um, but but another team that I always pick, I always pick Gonzaga to go at least one or two rounds. Um, Louisville, I all pick pretty pretty highly. I think part of it is just like having good experiences with them before. I like to pick Butler. Um, I've called Butler upsets in the past, and now of course they were a six seed, so it wasn't. Um, wasn't an upset, but it was. You know, I, I always like watching them play. Um, and then those are, I, I think I pick Xavier a lot because I, I like the name. I think it's weird. It's a weird name for a school. Yeah, that's the same reason I used to pick them too, and also because they're an Ohio team. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned Gonzaga. 
you know, that's one of those teams that, yes, you know, they've had these great runs in the past. But I felt like, you know, for the longest time, since I've really been putting money on brackets, they've let me down. Mm-hmm. I picked them to go too far, and they let me down. But apparently this is the year that they're actually quite good, uh, and, and they proved me wrong. I had them losing in, like I said, in the round of 32 against Davidson. Uh, and, you know, they might, with Iowa State out of it, they might breeze in and give Duke a run for their money uh, trying to get to the Final Four. Yeah. Uh, and another team for me that that I used to pick a lot uh, and I don't so much anymore is Georgetown because I would pick them because they're just this classic like 1980s uh, college basketball. Like, they're just, it was just those memories of Georgetown dominating were kind of like burned into my brain. But every time I pick them, they lose really early on. So I thought, I thought, you know, using the magnifying glass on ESPN, <laughs> Eastern Washington was, you know, is a high percentage shooting team. And I thought, hey, uh, this is going to be a sure thing here. I, I'm tired of Georgetown letting me down. I'm going to bet against them this time. And, and it turned out I was wrong. I did choose Georgetown to win, I think only because it was a 4-13 game. Um, I do not like D.C. very much. <laughs> So they're not my go-to team, mm-hmm. um, but I, but I had them going this far. I had them losing to use. I had them losing to SF Austin. What is wrong with my bracket? <laughs> <laughs> Was I drunk when I made this bracket? I think I may have been. I will neither confirm nor deny that. I was in a great mood. I was <laughs> obviously in like the most hopeful just full energy mood that these these teams could really make it. Well, I remember there was a point where you said you were going to pick an all-upset bracket. <laughs> Which maybe... This maybe sounds right. <laughs> maybe on Thursday, about four hours into the day, you probably would have been feeling pretty good. That's that's probably true. That's probably true. I probably would have picked the wrong upset. So, like, I picked Wofford. Is that how you say that name? Could be. <laughs> I picked them to be Arkansas um and I think that may have partially been because we drove through Arkansas and I had a horrible time well see that's funny you picked against them and I picked for them for that very reason that we drove through Arkansas and I bought a paper and I read about the team <sighs> and I was like oh, I'll take this team I'll, so I'll take clear. a flyer let's on Arkansas clear. I drove through Arkansas while you read the paper <laughs> uh I beg to differ <laughs> there was a lot of rain I, a lot of rain. Yes. <laughs> Arkansas, you owe us something. Okay, so... so Arkansas. Enough, enough of our terrible uh, bracket picking, but it seems like a lot of the big teams are still left in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Kentucky's in there. They, you know, they had a, a, a good game against Cincinnati where Cincinnati looked like they, they might have had a chance to beat them, but not really in the end. But they're... They looked very strong in their opening round game. Uh, Duke consistently has looked very good. Arizona has looked very good. Uh, Wisconsin has looked quite well. Um, and aside from Villanova, which got knocked off um, by NC State, it, you know a lot of the clear favorites are still in this. Mm-hmm. So you know after watching these first two rounds, do you see Kentucky still going undefeated, or do you think one of these other big teams um, is is going to give them a run for their money? I think um, I think that they have a shot. 
I think that they have a shot to go undefeated, and um, and I know it goes against the rooting for the underdog mentality, but I'd like to see them do it. I mean, at this point, they've made it this far, and that's awesome. That's so, so amazing, and what an accomplishment for these kids. Um, I think it gives them a really great edge trying to make a professional career i don't i don't know who's you know seniors or or what level but um but i think that that's that's an amazing accomplishment and i'm rooting for them on that regard also i do have them winning <laughs> um, but but i i would like to see them go all the way and i think that they have an opportunity to do so because i i can see them beating um beating the the upcoming teams now that you know Kansas is out, right? And mm-hmm. um, and I I just I think they have a shot to go all the way. So as for the final four, or whatever you know, the big teams that are left. You know, I think that if Louisville beats NC State and then progresses onward, I think they have a a really fun shot at maybe Louisville beating say Duke. Mm-hmm. If those two teams end up making it to the final four, and Kentucky versus Louisville would be a blast. Yeah, that'd be a nice matchup. That'd be really fun. That would be really cool to watch. So you know, I and it would be just as fun to see Louisville kind of defeat the the big guy, um, and they'd be enough of an underdog that you'd want to root for them. You know, four seed being beating an undefeated one seed, um, but that they're they're very very sharp and they're. Um, they're maybe one of the better matchups. I think the narrative in a Louisville-Kentucky matchup would be really, really great. And I think it would also be a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. I think Kentucky would probably still win, mm-hmm. but it would be a good game. Um, yeah. I think Duke versus Kentucky is probably the one maybe everybody wants to watch because these two teams have um, what are likely to be the number one and number two draft picks in the NBA draft this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of going to be the classic big school versus big school winner take all. Um, and, and probably, you know, Kentucky's most difficult challenge to their undefeated record would be against Duke. And I think Arizona um, is maybe at this point the dark horse to kind of beat Kentucky. I think they, they maybe have, they could sneak up. I mean, they've blown out the two teams that they've played oh, already yeah. in this tournament. They could definitely beat Wisconsin. Um, you know, they're, they're playing Xavier next, which, you know, as much as I love Ohio, as much as I like to pick <laughs> Xavier, this is probably the part of the tournament where they're going to depart. Um, <laughs> Wisconsin is, I, you know, I'm sure they're fine. But Arizona seems like a team that is kind of maybe going to surprise a lot of people. Um, so I'm kind of excited to watch any of those games. Yeah. I, I was originally thinking this was going to be, um, well, I picked Kentucky-Iowa State, but the more I kind of thought about it, Kentucky-Virginia would have been really interesting because I read this New York Times article last week, which I don't necessarily agree with, um, but the headline was, Is It Pretty? Mm. And basically talking about, is college basketball today still fun to watch? And it seemed like this was written by somebody that, loves the NBA and doesn't really give a shit about college basketball because, frankly, after watching this tournament, college basketball looks the same to me today as it did last year and the year before and the year before. Uh, It is what it is. But I can't say that that article didn't influence me because I'd only watched a few college basketball games this year coming into the tournament. 
Um, and I and I gave them quite a bit of credit. You know, the average score is dropping. You know, there are all these things that are that are making the game slower, and that was the reason that Virginia did so well in the ACC this year mm-hmm. um, and made them conference champions is that they were able to slow the game down, um, apply you know defense to some really high scoring teams, and and I thought you know that was going to give them a shot to really make it to this tournament. And as it's gone on, I realized. You know, the regular season and a knockout tournament are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the two Virginia games I watched, they looked like they could barely beat 15-seeded Belmont in the first round, uh, and then Michigan State kind of wiped the floor with them. So, obviously, not to say that, that the New York Times writer is wrong uh, based on just this one small sample size, but I think he's certainly wrong about tournament knockout basketball where basically anything can happen. Any team, the team that's able to adapt and change its style of play is the one that is going to win the game. I think that's really interesting. I um, I agree with the article to an extent. I do think that the game might be slowing down a little bit. College basketball has always been a slower, lower-scoring game than the NBA. That's just... That's just what it is. Um, But I also think that complaining about it is a very American thing to do. And it's it's, um, not that smart. (laughs) Which I don't don't mean to, you know, the guy's a great writer, but, um, and, and, you know, has good commentary on sports. But I think that one of the reasons that, say, soccer is evolving in the American sports world is because we are starting to learn that it's not all about the score. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's a lot of technique to observe that maybe we're getting a cool opportunity to see these um, almost experimental college basketball teams really playing with what they can do on the court. And um, and that's something that, you know, in soccer we see all the time. That's how you watch soccer is the great passes and these crazy plays. And the score ends up being, you know, 1-2 in a big scoring game. And, um, and when we're so used to the NBA, which goes so fast and scores reach over a hundred regularly, the fact that college basketball is scoring 40, 50 points lower than that is suddenly a slow sport. And I don't agree at all. I mean, I think that Mike Tracy must think that soccer is like (laughs) bingo. I, I couldn't believe it. I just kept thinking, like, I love how slow some of these sports go. I can actually follow and see what they're doing. I love watching the gears turn on the court. Um, and I think that I think that the court, the coaches and, and players are doing some really cool stuff. I think that this will just evolve the NBA over the next 20 years. I think that we're going to see some really, really cool college basketball come up um, in a different way now that we have – an American ethos that's allowing for us to be a little bit more um, on the court and, and technical during a sport than, than just the score. I think a lot of people are afraid to give defense the credit it deserves for a number of reasons, um, most of which is, you know, more scoring equals more excitement, you know, in some capacities. Um, but, like, as you mentioned, in soccer, that's not really the case. And also in basketball, that's not necessarily the case. You know, some of the greatest teams of the last 30 years in the NBA were very, very good defensive teams. The uh, the Detroit Pistons of the late 80s and early 90s 
the Detroit Pistons of the <laughs> early 2000s. Um, but, you know, the defense wins championships is, is, is a thing that morons say on television all the time, and I will repeat here as well. <laughs> but it's true. And if Kentucky is going to get all of the best incoming freshmen because they're, you know, tailor-made to bring them in and then send them on to the NBA, then a team like Virginia is going to have to develop, you know, much better uh, defensive strategies to cope with those, you know, the superior talent. Um, and superior talent can be beaten with, uh, you know, sometimes, not always, with good, you know, team play, uh, team defense. So, so yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with the college game being slow. Uh and and I don't even think it is necessarily slow. Yes, they score less points, but you know there are a thousand more college basketball players than there are NBA players, and they're not as good as shooting three pointers. So they're just going to score less. Um, and and as this tournament, you know, really pointed out with a lot of the upsets, you don't need a high scoring game for it to be exciting. Yeah. Okay, so we are both pretty much out of the running in our brackets. Would you say? Um, you know, I, I I heard you say that before, and I was a little de- a little defensive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I looked looked at our bracket <laughs> <laughs> again, and um, yeah. Do you feel as defeated as I feel? Well, you are out of our six person bracket. I think number three. Yeah. And I am number five. So I'm going to say I win in the feeling more defeated than you do. It wasn't a competition. <laughs> Everything is a competition. But, uh, I mean, does that, is that going to affect the way that you watch the rest of the tournament? Are you going to, as I kind of feel, hide in a hole and just kind of ignore the rest of it until the title game? Um, or are there just enough kind of maybe almost not quite Cinderella's left in it that you want to stick around and keep rooting for them? Particularly for me, I want to see NC State go as far as they can. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I would love to see NC State go. I mean, they they are doing really well, and that's so exciting for them. I would also, though, be very happy with the Louisville-Kentucky game. Um, I think I'll... I think part of me wants to keep rooting for Kentucky, actually, to win... Um, which I think a lot of people would disagree with me about. I don't care about my bracket quite so much anymore because my my $10 contribution will be going probably to my older brother, which just kills me. <laughs> but I I would like to... I, I like the idea of Kentucky getting their undefeated title. I think that that's really special. I think that we can easily um, kind of demonize the big guy because we are rooting for the underdogs and we want the underdogs to win. But the fact is Kentucky might have been an underdog a couple years ago and might be an underdog in a couple years. And this is an opportunity for a a successful coach and a a successful team that's worked really hard to get a huge accomplishment. And and I know I already said that, but I I just really think that they have a really cool opportunity and I, I would like to see them get that. Um, yeah, if nothing else, I think I will at least tune in for the rest of Kentucky's games. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this earlier a few episodes ago, but Indiana was the last team to go undefeated. Um, but when they went undefeated, it wasn't they they didn't even play these this many games. 
Really? Yeah, I, I, I don't know exactly what their record was. But, that was in but 70... 76. 76. But Kentucky at 36-0 and 0 right now is the, the longest undefeated streak, the longest win streak in a single season of all time. Um, and if they can go all of the way, they'll only add to that. Um, so I think watching that team, watching the story there is, is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a lot of fun even if they lose. So I think it's going to make for pretty good, pretty good TV. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think one of the reasons I also would like to see Louisville go is that narrative, and then I think Kentucky would have a really good shot at winning if um, if it was between them and Louisville in the championship game, which might not happen at all. I mean, there's still plenty to go. Duke is going to have a great run, um, even though all their fans paint their faces. <laughs> Yeah, it really pains me to say that, too, to, yeah. to see Duke have such a good year. And for me, not to really hate them. Usually, I, like I said, I wrote Dean Smith a letter when yeah. I was in fifth grade, and that kind of just set the tone for my, my North Carolina uh, Tobacco Road fandom for life. And, <laughs> and you know, but, but there is something about this Duke team that I don't hate them. I don't know why, and that, that concerns me. Well, I think you've got a nice bro side to you, which fits in very well with the Duke ethos. I, um, I take offense. It's so bro there. It's just, I watch the games and I just get very frustrated with the distracting fans, <laughs> which is so dumb. They're, all of their faces are painted. I don't know if they have a, a face painter just sat outside <laughs> every game. Um, or, like, if that's on sale at all of the college stores before games. Do you think we could be professional college basketball face painters in Durham? I don't want to. But think of the money. They're college students. They (laughs) don't have the money. (laughs) So you're saying it's a volunteer job? I would say that if you're going to get paid, you're getting paid in beer. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see the problem with that. I think that, I think, I think that's, uh, so next time you hear from us, big gamers, we're going to be in Durham. <laughs> we're going to be painting faces. With beer helmets on. Yeah. All right, Alex, thank you for talking about March Madness on the big game. Thank you. All right, everybody, thanks for listening to The Big Game. If you haven't yet, subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts from, leave a review if you like what you hear, drop me a line at JethroTarget on Twitter. Stay tuned for more next week on The Big Game. It's going to be about WrestleMania. No, this is one of the reasons why Mark Maron's plan is so good, because he just gets them talking, but he can just pick up the conversation whenever he wants. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to start talking about basketball. (laughs) Well, we were just talking about basketball. That's true. So you could have actually smoothly gone, yeah, 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 so what did you think about that? And I would say, wait, are we already recording? You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's exactly how Mark Maron does it. Are we already recording?